Hello and welcome back to the Fourth and Forever podcast. My name is Stuart Bothwell, his name is Darren Butter, and we are now two weeks deep into the NFL season. Darren, how are you doing and how are you enjoying it so far? It's been good. It's been good, man. Eh? Enjoying it. It's lots to get into. Um, there is a lot to get into, a lot to unpack. It's been a, an incredible first two weeks of the season. Uh, lots of spanners being thrown in the works already, it seems. Yes, elbows, knees. Shoulders and toes, yeah, absolutely. It's all just falling to bits for some people and coming together very nicely for others. Yeah, some of the usual players coming nicely for. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, particularly nicely for certain players and certain teams, but they'll get their chance later on once we get around to talking about them. Um, Obviously, we're just going to try and uh, get through the Week 2 games today and uh, have a quick recap of them all. Uh, We're going to play with the format a little bit this week. Uh, so the plan is to uh, go for like one more in-depth look into a, into one of the games and then go a little bit quicker on some of the other ones then another more in-depth one then a few quick hits um, just to sort of, like I say, play with the formula see how it feels, see what sort of feedback we get and we'll decide on where we go from then Sound good? Sounds good Cool, but before we do get into that I think it's about time that we hit on some of the more important uh, news items that have happened over the last little while. And yeah, Darren's wincing already at the prospect of uh, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Big Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season with uh, a rather relatively undisclosed, at this moment in time, elbow injury. But we believe it's going to require surgery and it could well be the infamous Tommy John surgery. Yes. Doesn't look good for the Steelers, eh? It doesn't. And if it's Tommy John surgery on a quarterback of his age, we might not see him again. I'm worried we might not see Big Ben again. Like it's just it's kind of weird to even imagine an NFL without Ben Roethlisberger. He's just one of these guys who has seemingly been around for so long, 16-year veteran of the league, and he's just taken that franchise to be one of the most consistent in the league and now there's all these questions that are up in the air but when he did go out uh, Mason Rudolph came in and got to say we looked looked quite impressed Um, looked like a gunslinger like he was touted to be when he came out his um, poise in the red zone was pretty good I don't think his interceptions were really his fault um, no, well, like the the one that he threw to Dante Moncrief at the start, it was like it should have been it was bang on. It should have been a simple catch from Moncrief. No, it goes straight through his hands and doink hits him on the head, pops up interception. Definitely not Rudolph's fault. I would not put that one on him at all. Yeah, and it was nice to see him under pressure. You know, get the offensive line doing its job and him just a little bit of the Aaron Rodgers style kind of play yeah. action with a. Um, pump fakes to get Vance open in the end zone, and he hit him in stride. And he looked it, good. He looked like he for, really, really for a backup. Them. We're going to go into other backups that have come in. He did look probably the best out of the the bunch um, for the several that were playing this weekend. Unfortunately, I would say so. It does help to have a, a better offensive line in front of you than some of those other backup quarterbacks that we saw this week had to deal with like Trevor Simeon and poor Luke Falk, but we'll get onto that later I'm, on. I, to be honest, I'm very intrigued in how the Steelers are going to play 
like media wise and stuff with Rudolph because I don't know if, if you remember but when Rudolph came into the league mm. Ben, Rod- <laughs> yeah. ben Roxburgh was like pretending he didn't know his name and he didn't matter and it didn't matter they'd taken a quarterback in the third round because he was Big Ben yeah exactly he was it's calling him like a reindeer and st- he was just yeah. he was <laughs> Very big of Big Ben yeah, to do did that. that first interview, and you think like you want to take a rookie under your arm and show him the ropes, and he had absolutely no. To, to his mind, it wasn't his job to do that. It's like my said, job. My yeah. job is to win football games, and you're like, yeah, that's true. Um, but now but what's he going to do? He's going to be standing on the sideline watching Rudolph. Is he going to be coaching him now? Well, with this, this could be the changing of the guard. So it's, I don't know. It depends on what Ben's thoughts are and where his career is going to this point because is it is it over if, if it is then he's got to be like doing the best thing to help out the team like rather than just help his own career like he, he wants to retire in pittsburgh you know that much but well i guess we'll we'll just have to see where that goes but we, we do like mason rudolph we think that he could still be someone who can keep the steelers relatively on track he's no roethlisberger but maybe this is a guy who can prevent things from completely imploding in that city yeah and it's kind of I wonder because I watched the Terry Bradshaw um, NFL films the, the you know football life and he was talking about how when he got injured and came out after winning four Super Bowls he was treated like he didn't exist so yeah I'm assuming the Steelers are a bit better with their players that are under IR Mm. now than they were then but that was Chuck Noll and he's he has a reputation for being a bit different yeah um, but Terry Bradshaw was asked to come back in free one pass and told them he was retiring so like, nope, I'm done okay, so bye. I don't think it's going to be the same for Big Ben but it does feel like a, a watershed moment in the AFC North absolutely like it could be very very important in, in that division and to that team but as ever only time will tell and uh, one of the other very significant injuries uh, to a quarterback this week was New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees, who took an injury to his hand on a, on a follow-through. It was very innocuous. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing you've done yourself, you know. Yeah, you just jammed it on something and yeah, you do the... Yeah, it on a, on, a, <sighs> on a desk or on a handle you've pulled, you know, it's, it can happen. But, you know, when it's someone who weighs 300 pounds slapping you, yeah, and your hand's square just on your hand the wrong way, then, then it can happen. But it looked bad, and it looked even worse when he literally went to pick up a ball and threw it on the floor as soon as he like ah! as if it was on it. fire. <laughs> yeah, so, and then he wrapped it and he couldn't move it. And you know, I was listening to Chris Long talk about how when he did that, to his family had to have it fused. Mm. So he's saying that that'll be a last resort, obviously for for a NFL quarterback. quarterback, but um. <laughs> But for obviously for a linebacker, it didn't really matter. Yeah. Well, obviously, we're going to have to keep a real close eye on that one because, you know, Breeze is up there in age as well. He is older than Roethlisberger. He's in his 40s. Um, the offense looked like it was going to be sort of all right with yeah, him. But missed, now that he's out... He missed a game in, since like 2012 or something. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it just depends on where the season ends up going without him in there. Mm-hmm. And what we saw of Teddy Bridgewater... Didn't look great. I I don't know how much of that was Teddy's fault, but exactly, he's not taking first team reps or anything like that. He wasn't really ready for it, perhaps. The the the, um, the Saints are in a difficult position because you have some teams just know 
your quarterback goes down, down, your season's over. The Patriots operate under that pretense. The, you know, the um, no, but not now. You got Jarrett Stidham there, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Savior, the next, you know, white. The second coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like the Steelers are usually in that mold. You know, if we don't have Big Ben, we're not winning. Mm. Um, the Saints are probably in that mold as well. Without Breeze, we're not winning the Super Bowl. But Breeze is only out four or five, six weeks. Mm. So. They're caught in a kind of difficult situation where they probably haven't prepared for an injury because they expect it to either... It's if like it's, it's one it's, week, it's we can deal. If it's all season, it's over. Yeah. But four or five weeks in the NFC? It can, like, if you can like hold on for that, then you, you can still get some wins, perhaps, out of that. If you lose a couple here or there, that might not be the end of the world because you've still got Breeze to come in there and... Uh, like right the ship again. Do you think they've lost home field advantage though? It's gone now. It has to be. You'd, you'd think so. Well, I mean, over the next few weeks, they've got uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Then they've got a big game against the Cowboys. That could be a, a decider really there. Uh, then they've got an easier one at the Buccaneers. Then the Jaguars. Then the Bears before they get the Cardinals at the end of October. So, so I did notice that in the telecast that if he is out, four, five, six weeks, then he doesn't miss the Falcons. Yes. Or the Panthers. Yeah. So those, so those are two of the more important ones for the division, certainly. Um, so they can, it's, it's they not, can go 6-0 in their division even after losing Breeze. Yeah, <laughs> potentially. So, yeah, we didn't really like what we saw from Teddy Bridgewater, but something that we both want to see more of is more Taysom Hill. This gives <laughs> us the opportunity to see more of this... Gadget Tight player end, with an arm, receiver. Yeah, whatever he is, he's gunner. Yeah, be anything. You I want wonder to if do. he'll be gunning now. <laughs> I think they'll be taking him out of uh, special teams for this <laughs> because they need to have someone there. Um, I just think he's got the record for the BYU yards and touchdowns, and I think the only reason he isn't a true quarterback in the league is because he went and did his Mormon mission, which means you enter the league at like twenty six or twenty seven. Mm, so yeah, he. He couldn't get draft, didn't get drafted, and he didn't get to do two seasons of work. So I feel like he's by circumstance not really been given an opportunity to play as quarterback. But oh, if Bridgewater's feeling his ankle or something, he comes out for a drive. Taysom Hill's got cojones. That boy can go down the field, <laughs> sling it. Give him yeah. a, give it a go. Yeah, like he's got. He's so got a lot Bridgewater of moxie. didn't want to sling it, and when you've got um, Smith and Thomas and that there to get some of those passes you have to throw it up sometimes and I don't think Bridgewater really did that at all in the game I reckon Bridgewater is maybe one of these players who's still playing in his own head a bit more because of his injuries still concerned kind of like what we might have seen with some Jimmy Garoppolo conservative oh, maybe to throw the ball and away can he run anymore? No, Bridgewater I've actually seen him he, he, can, he can but he's, he's a Louisville he's, quarterback he's yeah he's, <laughs> plays in a, he's from a system where he ran all the time mm. but yeah, I don't know. He's not the same player anymore as he was previously. That's how that works. Um, yeah, I think... Um, like Alan Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not really sure where where they're, they're going to go, but yeah, certainly a couple of difficult games during Breeze's absence, but they may still manage to tread water enough to still be in contention for that division. Um, so, yeah, we'll get on to what happened in their game later on today. 
Uh, another news: the Miami Dolphins have traded away another star player in uh, safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, wah, wah. who's gone to the Steelers for a first-round pick. I mean, that's high. Minka Fitzpatrick is good. But that's a first-rounder, and they've, they've traded a couple of other picks in there and stuff as well. But a first-round pick, and especially when you consider wasn't he a first-round pick himself? Though, yeah, but years ago? yeah, but when you think about what that first rounder could turn into with no Big Ben in the Steelers. Like, that that's, like, potential top 10 pick mm-hmm. territory mm-hmm. there. Even, maybe even higher if Rudolph turns out to be a hot steaming pile of garbage after this promising, like, first showing. <laughs> the Texans can't protect Deshaun Watson. They're going to have, could have three top 15 picks. Yeah, absolutely. Can you, I wonder what would happen if, so, uh, was it Texans are crap, Steelers are crap, and, 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 and the Dolphins are crap. They could have the first three picks. Imagine that. <laughs> and I mean, then they also can... have the Texans second round. Mm-hmm. This is true. And then they have their own second round. Mm-hmm. So they've literally got five picks in the top 40, 47. Yeah. That's a lot. And they have five first round picks over the next two seasons. It's quite insane. Oh, um, GM will be absolutely breaking it. He's like, oh god, what are we going to do? Uh, 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 three punters. <laughs> I don't know. No, I've dolphins it again. The oh. <laughs> yeah, um, they are tanking. They're done. <laughs> on, on the other side, this is really intriguing because it was done after the Big Ben injury, and they've been clever. Get that defense. Make sure that Rudolph only has to be okay to win you games. If you can get that defense firing, then you're putting less pressure on your backup quarterback yeah. to win you the game. They, and it's like when they, they won a few games with Michael Vick and they won a couple of games with the old Oklahoma quarterback with a cool name when Big Ben was out last time. Fields. Was it Field? Mm, I don't know what I mean. No. The number five. Oh, uh, 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 no, I can't remember. How long ago was this? When Big Ben was out last time. So they played, he was the... There'll be people shouting at us. No, no. Don't shout. Please be nice. Be nice. Andrew Jones, who's apparently going to be playing in the XFL next year. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Damn, son. Declared for the XFL. Yeah, and they have also, like, just a few days ago, traded away Joshua Dobbs. uh, Yeah. To to go down south. So, uh, yeah, interesting dynamic there. But that, that says to me that they have faith in Mason Rudolph to keep this team going towards the playoffs. And that they just want to build around them now and say, yeah, okay, we, we have faith in you to not suck so badly that we end up like giving the Dolphins a top five pick or anything like that. So I wonder if there's any more defensive players that are in like maybe last year of their contract uh, that they can do an NBA style thing where they trade a couple of fifths, you know, get a couple more defensive players in to really shore <laughs> it up a bit more. And try and keep going this year. Yeah. Because obviously they've just given up their first round pick, so there's no point in really, you know, they're not going to get the next Big Ben. Yeah. This well, year. Let's, uh, let's, try, let's try and wrap up the news uh, real quick. But before we do, uh, who do you think the next Dolphins player to be traded away for uh, uh, a, a top two <laughs> rounds pick? Um, Kenyon Drake? Oh, depend. It's either Drake or Howard. I don't think they'll get rid of Howard. Yeah. How long is this tank going to be for? Oh, I, I think this is a two-year job. If it's a two-year job, then I, if I was saving Howard, I would be camped outside the GM's <laughs> office. Trade me, trade me, trade um, me. Otherwise, yeah, it's Kenyon Drake. And in fact, Kenyon Drake won't go for a lot. 
Mm. That'll be like a fourth or something. So, like, if I uh, had the opportunity to go for Kenyon Drake because I need someone in my backfield, I think a fourth round pick is well worth it because he's a he's a good football player yes. in the right system. Swap Gordon for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> like, they don't need the Boston Eckler. Anyway, speaking of uh, players who are seeking a trade, the Jacksonville Jaguars star cornerback Jalen Ramsey is after one after having a bit of a bust up with Doug Marone. So exactly what they were jarring about is still a little bit uncertain. I think uh, Ramsey was perhaps a little bit frustrated with how he was being utilised in this game. Um, Ramsey's one of the best man-to-man cover corners in this in the league. And so he was going to be following uh, DeAndre Hopkins around all, all game. Yeah, don't quite know what's happening there, but it seems like he's done with uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, and the reaction on the sideline from the other players, like obviously they usually protect themselves against the coaches, but it did look like a lot of the players were just sick of both of them. Mm. So it'll be interesting. I know he had the the bust up of the I don't know if it was her own, but the other the coach when he played against Antonio Brown and was angry they were playing zone, so he couldn't follow him. Yes, because he'd like made a point in the media to say I'm going to follow, follow him all day. Brown, every day. And they played zones and quarters, and it's like if you're the defensive coordinator and you think that zone and corner uh, quarters coverage is going to work against Big Ben, then your you best do. player isn't going. Because mm. if you think you can put your best player on the left, you know it's going right, and that makes it so much easier for everyone else and mm. your other cornerback to play. And they're all cor- AJ Boye, like they're not. He's no, he, he's no slouch. And that's why he plays zone, you know? And you can play on quarters and zone because your players don't have to move because they've locked down their spot. Ram- Ramsey strikes me as someone who is great. He is legitimately fantastic, but he's also selfish. And so he wants to be the one who's proving himself on a play-by-play basis. And he's in a contract. Yeah. Yes, that too. Um, like, if he does get traded, it's going to be for something pretty high. There's talk of... A first, a second, and Tremont Jones. <laughs> yeah, okay. Tremont Johnson. A Trem- uh, Trem- Tremont Johnson. Yeah, sure. I mean, to be honest, like, I would never want to eat <laughs> Tremont Johnson's cap. Uh, like, what a waste of space. Um, okay, so yeah, we'll we'll see how how those situations develop throughout the course of the next little while. But now I think it's about time we hit on some of the games from this week, right? Yeah. Cool. So we'll start off with a game which was full of rather contentious decisions and interesting twists and turns and that is the Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers so Packers shot out to a bit of an early lead in this one uh, everything looked to be going their way but then Dalvin Cook started to really get his wheels turning get the ball moving Kirk Cousins just doing Kirk Cousins things ultimately like finished with uh, below 50% completion uh, for 230 yards one of them being a big one one TD and two picks, one of which was absolutely killer in the final quarter, uh, where Minnesota really should have at least gotten some points out of that. But also, they left a whole bunch of points on the board due to due to like some really strange refereeing decisions and a missed PAT due to uh, a penalty on Stefan Diggs for moving his helmet after a touchdown. It was madness. We look at the Stefan Diggs play. He good play, gets into the end zone and he takes off his helmet and he starts drawing with the crowd. And the, the funniest thing about that scene is when it cuts to behind him, it's all Vikings fans in front of him. 
Mm-hmm. So he's shouting at. He's shouting at his own. Maybe just saying like, "Yeah, that's it. They're not going to call me back for that one." Yeah, I get the touchdown, and then fifteen-yard penalty. Dan Bailey pushes the PAT. Oh, okay. So we we don't get that that point there. That's not good. Oh, that might not matter. Oh, it does. But like the, the reason he was doing that was probably something to do with the fact that uh, pass interference was called. Zone, yeah, right? pre- on the previous red zone possession. Uh, Diggs comes across the front. Dalvin Cook is then called for like uh, for pass interference or illegal blocking. Illegal blocking up front. Yeah. yeah, but it's like Dalvin, he can Dal- only go where he was going. Yeah, and he didn't. Once he was into the end zone, he stopped. And to be honest, Dalvin Cook has the right to then create space for himself. Yeah, Dalvin Cook had the right to be where he was. There was a guy in the bit that he was running. There's three of them in the bit he was. In. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's a crowded it's location. Their fault for over overloading the box and not being able to get out to the. Wide receiver slant. That's mm. it's not Dalvin Cook's fault that they can't get out there. He just happens to be there because that yeah. was his. That's where he was going. So I thought the the Packers got off lightly there. And to be honest, the Green Bay Packers defense looking great, looking really good, and they have for the first time probably in a three three or four years the defense is coming off the field and going. I had to play all those extra <laughs> plays because we didn't make the most of our opportunities like in the first half obviously they you know the Vikings got held to a field goal and then they missed it then Rodgers goes up the other end makes it 14-0 then they fumble then on the next play like literally three plays later um, Kirk Cousins fumbles um, and then you know they, they get into the end zone that time but then the next fumble's a punt mm. and then the next interception is a turnover on downs from Green Bay. So they got three more takeaways and got no points for any of the takeaways after already going 21-0 up. Yeah, there was the opportunities. And, and then they, they never scored any more points. So this game was closer than it really should have been, considering the defense and how quickly they got off to a good start. But oh. there were still amazing plays from Rodgers in the game. They just mm. seemed to be played in the 20s. Yeah, between the twenty and the eighty, yeah. they didn't seem to get anywhere near the. Yeah, there was there was a lot of um, like some some great athleticism, some some great work by uh, Devante Adams. Uh, Stephon Diggs had that that big downfield touchdown, which they then got penalised for for taking off his helmet. Uh, but scoreline at the end twenty one sixteen. You don't have to be a mathematical genius to work out that had that Dalvin Cook pass interference not been called and they got the touchdown. Converted the PAT, that's a four-point swing. And then had Dan Bailey not missed that PAT after Stephon Diggs took off his helmet, that's another one point. This would be a tie ball game at that point, had this happened. Exactly, yeah. And that's just the nature, nature of the game. And it's, it's mistakes like that which cause teams, games, and seasons. So Stephon Diggs has to know that he can't just be taken off his helmet. Like this, like... The, 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 the PATs being further back now than they used to be means that that is no, no longer an insignificant penalty. That, P, that PAT was from 48 yards out. It's ridiculous. So it, it's really just saying to players, you can't be stupid after you've, even after you've gone in the end zone. You can do like, like a little celebration or whatever, but just not excessive. And don't take off your damn helmet, please. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about um, Gary Kubiak's general game plan for this game. He only targeted his wide receivers 
his tight end, sorry, four times. Um, Alan Field and, and Darwin Cook and Stefan Diggs between them had less than 10 receptions mm. for a lot of yards, to be honest. But they weren't spreading the ball out very much. They didn't seem to be giving themselves enough opportunities. There was a lot very heavy on Ham and on Cook in the running game. Like 26, 27 carries. I, I just wonder, because they were behind so early that they had to change their game plan, but there was a lot of things that the Vikings were doing that I just didn't really know, understand why. Mm. There was a couple of first downs that Adam... I love Adam feeling. feeling. He's great. Um, there was a couple of first downs he left on the table today by running the wrong way, trying to extend the play but not actually making the first down marker and doing so. It just seemed like they were like making all times. these little mistakes and it was costing them big in the end. They all just add up. And it's, like in some cases, mental errors. In some cases, it's just trying to bite off more than you can chew. Um, Cousins isn't... And I wonder if it's because they read in the papers that, oh, it's Kirk Cousins, we have to do more as mm. skilled players around Kirk Cousins. Because... Kirkland just needs to be a little bit more Alex Smith, like a little bit more game manager. Like when I give you the ball, get down. Give me another opportunity to throw it. Give give Dalvin another chance to run. There was a Diggs batted a few up in the air, feeling running backwards on first. Like it, it just didn't make sense sometimes. And they're going to need to fix that. They're one and one. They're in a competitive division. Part of me's now wondering if the Packers can go six and zero oh in this division, but you know it's not. Could well happen. The Bears haven't been, you know, lighting it up, and now the Vikings, Vikings at home will be hard for them. But yeah, Vikings are still a, a difficult team to beat. Uh, like this, this was far from easy for them. Uh, Kirk Cousins was not on game, and I mean, but just so I don't finish with a, a negative for them, I'll just say that that toss to the back of the end zone. Uh, to lose the game, basically from from Kirk Cousins, he throws the ball up into double possibly triple coverage to a place where his guy was never going to catch it and uh, the Green Bay defensive back comes down with an interception pretty much game over that's it it just it should never have happened and once again Kirk Cousins just comes up small in the big games like he just he, he keeps doing it. he has this, this, this penchant for it he just cannot pull games like this out of the bag and until he proves otherwise he's going to keep having this label on him as someone who just can't do it it's, it's just it's tough because you're in a division where you having the experienced quarterbacks is so important. All yes. three, other than the Bears, have this advantage or supposed advantage because their quarterbacks are they, they know, can win games. They're set and they've been playing a long time. And Trubisky's unproven, and the Bears have to go hard on defense because they don't have the quarterback and. Un- un- unproven have... was very very generous there as well <laughs> yeah. uh, I know that uh, Chris Noble is probably listening just th- being like thank you Darren that's very kind of you there's still a chance <laughs> um, but yeah it, it, in terms of well, I'm going to finish off with the positives for the Vikings and that is the greatest positive of all and that is that Dalvin Cook is absolutely balling right now he looked just spectacular again only 20 carries but for 154 yards and a touchdown like He's got to get on the football, baseball 
shoot the football machine and just start getting those wheel routes and mm. the pitches and stuff because he doesn't do enough. They don't do enough of that. They they need to utilize him more. They've utilized him a fair bit here, but he just needs to be involved more in the, in the passing game as well. Um, he he ended up having uh, three catches in this game for thirty seven yards. I feel it should be more than that. There's things you can do, and Cousins isn't the type of quarterback that's going to be you know high tempo, no huddle mm-hmm. in the second quarter. You can run Dalvin for eight yards, second and two, bring in Madison or Ham. They block Cousins for the for the throw. Bring Cook back in for third down or for the next first first down. He doesn't need to be. In all three downs, yeah, to be effective, so they can spread out his workload and give him more touches of the ball. At the moment, it seems the first second he's going to run it, and then we're just going to figure it out on third. And it, mm. it might have worked for Denver, but I don't know if it's going to work for. I think um, Kevin Stefanski, offensive coordinator for the Vikings, needs to pick up his game right now because. It's, 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 it's possible they don't do really look like they know what they're doing with their routes, and they're not using their tight ends. They've oh. got Rudolph and Irv Smith, and they're not using them. Mm, they need to sort something out there. How uh, Rudolph would be wishing he'd gone to the Patriots now. <laughs> Over on the on the Packers side of things, Aaron Rodgers, he looked he looks pretty good. Like it's, he can move, and that's all that matters right now. Yeah, it, it was twenty two of thirty four for two hundred nine and two TDs. Uh, Aaron Jones had a really good game as well 116 yards on 23 carries um, yeah nothing spectacular yet from the Green Bay offense but like two performances that do enough to deliver the game but a lot of this and it has to be said this Green Bay offense did nothing in the second half whether that's because they thought they could take their foot off the gas or something a little bit I, I don't know to me it looked like they were trying and just failing but they get out of there with the win and that's all that matters really yeah, one thing I've noticed, and this is going across most of the games this season um, that I've actually watched, is that the time of possession for each team is up. And the actual amount of attempts to move the ball doesn't seem to be that high just now. Like, you're looking at, you know, Rodgers had 23 completed passes for, like, 30 attempts, and then the running backs only had, like, 30 carries between them. So mm-hmm. you're like, looking at, like, 50-odd plays in the game. For the Packers. Yeah. But they held on to the ball for 34 minutes. It's clock management. Just pull so it down. It's like that's happening a lot, though. Especially with like the Vikings last week when they went to the quick lead. So I just think that teams just are like, but if we get two or three touchdowns in the first five minutes, then we're just going to clock manage the game until we can't anymore. Yeah. To be fair, like Rodgers got his first downs to win. Again, you know, he, he was, that's it. He was if, keeping if, them moving. If you're a quarterback and you do enough to win the game and you don't, put your entire team in jeopardy all the time, then that's it. You're going to win ball games. you're going to have success, and that's exactly what Green Bay did. Uh, moving on from Green Bay, and we'll go rapid fire for a couple here. So we'll hit up the game that we just watched just now, and that's the Cleveland Browns uh, rolling on into New York and just rolling all over the Jets, 23-3. to I say rolling all over. They weren't exactly dominant. If you look at the stats, it'll look like they kind of were but, um, I mean, the Jets' offense was anemic. And they, they lost Trevor Simeon pretty early on uh, to a, a rather gruesome-looking uh, ankle injury, uh, only to be replaced by Luke Falk, who, for a, for a quarterback who hasn't ever really played in the NFL, came in and did, 
did all right. Like he did a lot better than I you'd think having actually watched him though. Like when you watch it, you're like, God, they're just awful. Nothing's really happening. But he completed twenty of twenty five for one hundred ninety eight yards. It's it's okay, but you never felt that he or any anyone else in that Jets team was ever anywhere near threatening something. No, and this is this game's a bit of a misnomer. I think mean, I don't think the Browns once Simeon went out. I don't think the Browns ever thought they were in, the, in any real danger. Yeah. And they played like it was a free pass. I feel like they did enough to keep the ball moving and get into the end zone a couple of times, but they weren't... This wasn't a true reflection of everything the offense could maybe do if they had all their pieces in. I I do think that Hilliard and Higgins not playing was quite a big deal because then mm-hmm. you're aiming... If you're assuming that they're going to play quarters or they're going to double-team... Odell and Landry or you know bump them off and grab at them then you're relying on Taylor and Harris to make the plays and they just didn't look up to it and Ratley, Ratley made a couple of catches when he came in but yeah Damian Ratley yeah he looked yeah, pretty they, handy they just they didn't get it to the when they did get it to the big guns they looked like they were going to score every time they got it mm. and Odell Beckham does what you pay him for the biggest gun of all in that team yeah he came out with a couple of spectacular catches including uh, one deep ball down the right sideline caught one handed with a guy draped all over him it's just it's just, it's just Odell doing what Odell does and it was uh, a thing of beauty and then he took a, a short slant route um, sent the safety the, the wrong way to the middle of the field and as soon as he turned that shoulder boom just went the other way on the out 89 yards to the house there's no way that anyone was catching him. Yeah, I was like jumping. Yeah. I think he's going to score, but he shouldn't score from here. <laughs> and then May started running in circles like like it was catch or something. What was he doing? I don't know. It looked like Where he was, was he going? It was like if watching kids run a sports race. Oh. It was all in different directions. It just didn't make any sense at all. Um, I know this is very quick on these games. I do want to bring up that even as a Browns fan... I think Miles Garrett should be banned for a few games for that tackle on Simeon that caused the injury. Mm-hmm. He'd already been warned not to do that. He didn't need to do it, and he might have ended his career. Well, so, so I... Hmm. And they were talking up Garrett, and being like, oh, it's just him trying to get to the ball. No, the ball had gone. There was like a three-second countdown, and then he hit him, and he got cold, and they did it a minute later, and probably has torn the guy's medial and lateral ankle. Like yeah, it's not looking good for Trevor Simeon. I really do hope that he gets well soon. Uh, if they're going to be big on this issue, they need to be big on it. Yeah. 15 yards isn't enough if you're ending people's careers. Ending seasons. And it making was, I, that second half look like it did because they didn't have a game plan for him being in the game. No. Um, I think... Um, uh, Miles My- Garrett, that hit that he had on Simeon, I think it was just kind of an awkward landing. It can happen on anything, but it, but, but, but it, 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 it shouldn't, shouldn't have needed to hit him anyway because it was a late hit. Yeah, I, I would, and would agree. And he drove him into. The, he had mm. his arms around him. Mm. He couldn't move his feet because he'd been driven into the ground for no reason. Well, I don't know. I maybe have to look at it again. But when you're looking at things in slow motion, it does, you know, look really like way worse. Um, but yeah, like. Hard, hard to say. I think you could, I could see him getting fined, perhaps, for some of these late hits, especially since there was a couple. Um, he'll just be told you got to like cool it a little bit, but he'll probably be happy enough with that since he got three sacks in the game. 
I'm sure he won't be happy enough. So he won't be happy with sending Trevor Simeon to the hospital. But um, yeah, we'll see how we go with that one now. Uh, so yeah, uh, Baker Mayfield uh, ended up with 325 yards through the air. That was a little bit it's not looking generous. Great. It wasn't fantastic. He didn't need to be great. No. But it wasn't looking good. And I, I, I worry playing the Rams next week. But yeah. they need to hopefully have Hilliard back so they got a wheel route. I don't think Johnson did enough. No. Um, and Higgins just to provide a, a fourth option because if you're double teaming one and two, then you're not left for much. That's... You know, it seems very mean after watching the Jets <laughs> that I'm complaining about the wide receiver core for the, the Browns, you know. Um, but, you know, it's only week two. Browns will be glad they've got a win. Hopefully the first of at least nine or ten <laughs> for well, them. We'll see. It is still early in the season. Ooh, with things that have happened in this division, then they will be hoping. Yeah. That that can... The door, the door is wide open, so someone needs to step in and fill that void. Will it be them? Will it be Baltimore? Will it be... You no. know that um, <laughs> Mason, Rudolph and Baker played in a bedlam game, yeah. which is Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. that went 60-66 or something? Yeah. And Mason Rudolph won that game. Yeah. So... College is very different. <laughs> I know, but they both... Well, we said that Rudolph couldn't play in the NFL and neither could Baker because they're from the, yeah. the ACC. Oh, no, ACC well, quarterbacks can't play in the NFL. Well, they'll show them. They're both in the same division, so they'll get a chance to play each other again, no doubt. Uh, we're doing really bad at this rapid-fire thing, so let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. It the was crap, sure. It, it was a bit, but... <laughs> it's over, it's done. The, the, the Buccaneers came out on top 2014 in this one. Uh, Jameis Winston wasn't exactly spectacular or anything in this one. He is 16-25, 208 and a score. Uh, Peyton Barber looked pretty good. Ronald Jones did nothing uh, after a promising showing last week. But are we concerned about Cam Newton? The, the, the answer is yes. After two weeks, so I'll say it's over. But... That's two, two carries for zero yards again this week. Uh, like below fifty percent passer, so like pass completion as well. Christian McCaffrey wasn't really doing much as well, and he also perhaps could have done more to, uh, to like keep them in this game and as well. It just didn't really work out for them at all. Um, both teams looking just pretty awful, really. But um, yeah, Tampa just doing enough to to grind it out, really. Yeah, I I'm not ready to totally. I don't think the Panthers make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to go in 16. So, why don't you leave Cam Newton in until he says he can't? Oh, this, this is the way this it's got to be. Yeah, this is four consecutive games for Cam uh, without a pass TD. It's a bit, a bit of a concern. Um, but is that North Turner not getting his end zone, red zone looks? You know? I don't know. But like the, I think they swing it out to make it like. As someone who has McCaffrey in his fantasy team, I'm wholly delighted when they swing it out to McCaffrey to run it in. But I think they've been far too reliant on that. And they need to go back to good old-fashioned, you know, zig routes, getting getting <laughs> um, Greg Olsen free in the corner of the end zone. You know, they they seem to have moved away from what they were good at. Yeah. Because they only got McCaffrey two years ago. And I feel like since they got McCaffrey, they've kind of given up on every other facet of their game. 
yeah, they could do with spreading it around a little bit more. Um, DJ Moore uh, came out with this one all right. Uh, he ended up with um, uh, nine receptions on 14 targets for 89 yards, but it's not, it's nothing spectacular, really. If he's a good teammate, it won't matter. I don't think it matters as their own, too. No, of course. Um, yeah, basically, the, the, the Bucks just blitzed the hell out of Cam on this one. Uh, There's like 63% of dropbacks. It's just someone in his face all the time. And I think Cam's just not the threat that he used to be. People aren't as scared by him anymore because it's all well and good having the threat of the run. But if you know fine well that he's not even doing that anymore, then he's just he's just another, he's just a regular quarterback with a, a bit of an inaccurate arm. I um I just have to call out our man Shaquille Barrett. Um, yeah, Shaq getting getting called out on the broadcast. Player of the day. Free tackles for loss, free sacks. Absolutely, man. My yeah. boy, yeah. High five for Shaq. Yeah. Since you, man, going. we're dedicating this. This is our shout out to you, man. Anytime you want to come on the podcast, by the way, hit us up. We'll see if we can work something out. I know time difference isn't great, but you know, I'll I'll, I'll get you on a coffee break <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, Sounds good, but you know the bay, the I said the bays, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the, the bays. They're on the board. They got a win. Pampers don't are in the same division. Saints don't have a quarterback. Mm. Just gotta keep playing. It's We're, only two weeks in. Absolutely, it is all to play for in the NFC South. And Jameis just holding on to the ball. Red zone. I'm not gonna do what eh. I do usually and throw it into four players. Curling I'm gonna ball. hold on to it and sit down and let let us kick a field goal and win the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's not hard sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes. It's really fucking hard. Yeah. But, <laughs> it's, Jameis, for someone who plays the game so much, it shouldn't be so hard. No, no. Uh, moving on, because again, doing terrible with this rapid fire thing, um, we will head up to Maryland and the Baltimore Ravens welcoming the Arizona Cardinals, who obviously are still very much in everyone's radar, want to see exactly what they can do. Uh, Kyler Murray went over 300 yards passing again, so that's something. Uh, it's on 25 attempts, sorry, 20, sorry, 40 attempts, 25 completions. But that the running game was bleh. David Johnson, 14 yards on seven carries. He did get a score, but with a player like that, you shouldn't be averaging two yards per carry. I I do wonder if maybe the um, the Cardinals are holding back on their offense a bit. I think, you know, because Kyler Murray only had three carries for four yards. So... I wonder if the whole running side of their game they are building up to. I wonder if the whole thing is to spread the field. They don't expect to win these games. We're going to try and get our wide receivers open, get Kirk on the ball, make Larry Which feel they did. good. And they did that a lot. Like Larry Fitzgerald at points in this game looked like he was 25. He looked like he was having the most fun he's had in years. Larry Fitzgerald, he always looks like that to me. He's uh, just ageless somehow. He's still getting open, still laying out for, for all these crazy catches and stuff. He's incredible. But the, this year the Cardinals have not just now, and it's probably because they haven't really opened up that running game. They don't want. It's probably because they don't want Kyler Murray to get hit in the open field. Um, and you have, they have to build him up a bit, get a bit more muscle on those bones, maybe. <laughs> but it's like they've got Kirk, they've got Fitzgerald, they've got Bird, they've got Keyshawn Johnson, they've got David Johnson as a receiver, and they just could not get in the end zone. Like, they were 
two yards out three times and had to chip the ball over. I think it's the first time since the 1970s that a team has gotten within the five yard, five yards of the goal line and taken three field goals. I just think if you're away from home, sometimes you just have to put in your power formation and give David Johnson the ball. You're two yards out. Tell me about it. He's in my fantasy team. They just don't <laughs> seem to want to do that at all. And The Cardinals are a team that are still figuring themselves out, but we can already see that they are already twice as competitive as they were last year. That's two coaches in a row that haven't wanted to put the game on our boys' shoulders. So is there an issue that we don't know about? He obviously had a bad injury Mm -hmm. and was out for a long time, but David Johnson, seven carries for 14 hours. I know, it sucks, eh? I think they just maybe didn't trust him at that point. Maybe maybe a lot of these were were goal-line carries. I'm not 100% certain, but... Yeah. Chase Edmonds like, D- didn't, didn't look just great. Just give it to someone. Just get it in the end zone. Yeah. Like, and... But on the other side, Andrews. Mm. Anyone that has Andrews in their fantasy team must be loving it. He's a, He's just... a safety blanket to the max at the moment. He's free. Full on pro every bowler. Every time. I think it's his second, second, second game in a row with uh, over, two, over 100 yards receiving. Uh, it's Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Ravens, yeah, looking pretty good. Uh, another player who's looking pretty good is uh, Marquise Brown. So he has, I think they said, the uh, the highest number of total yards after two games for a receiver since Anquan Bolden entered the league uh, with with the Cardinals. And he's a completely different kind of player. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, he looked very impressive. Had a couple of, like, properly oh, Hollywood, Hollywood catches, yeah. But if you haven't seen the catch to end the game, oh. Oh, it's, yeah, I think a beauty. Um so far, Lamar Jackson proving me wrong, but he's only done that against Miami and Arizona so far. So credit where it's due. I'm not trying to shit all over Lamar Jackson. Like he has played excellently to start the year against no one. But um, like yeah, Patrick Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so here you go to end this segment. Mm-hmm. If you were starting a franchise now and you can only choose between two guys, are you taking Kyle or are you taking Lamar? Oh, who's in the rest of my team, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, I th- you can build it from there, but these are the only two quarterbacks you've got to oh. So you can build a West Coast. You can build a running... Kyler. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just... I'm just waiting for Lamar to fail here. But maybe maybe I'm still just too down on him. He once he proves himself to me, I will feel better about him. And I, I think maybe because there has been such a lack of tape on Kyler, but he's still doing something. He's still putting up numbers, despite the fact that I don't think he's got much around him. I'm quite impressed by that. Yeah, I I'd say I'd go with Kyler. And to be honest, it's nothing to do with any of that. True throws. That's just the calmness in the pocket. Mm. In big situations at Oklahoma, Arizona, he's just yeah taking his time and finding players. And you saw with Lamar when he came in for the bootleg packages and the and near the end <laughs> of last season, he's a bit fidgety, yeah. moving his legs a lot. And you can't throw it straight if your legs are up in the air. Yeah. Unless you're Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, of course. You can, so you can throw his legs behind I, his head. I think you can build... I think Cardinals are in a great spot with um, Murray. But, yeah. you know, John Harbour's a Super Bowl winning coach. And if anyone can make it work with Lamar, I think he's... As good as anyone to to try. Agreed. Looking good so far. Two and zero. They're doing what they need to do. And Lamar Jackson's been thoroughly entertaining to watch. Would um, like certainly point people in the direction of him as someone who'd be interesting to watch. 
Um, speaking of interesting watches, we'll get into our, our next slightly bigger, more in-depth game. Uh, I don't know exactly how well we're managing this at the moment, since <laughs> the different the, like difference between our big games and our small games isn't that great. Um, but the Philadelphia Eagles went to Atlanta and took on the Falcons in uh, a game which, again, came came down to the wire uh, and had all sorts of weirdness going on throughout it. Carson Wentz looked really sluggish for the first maybe three quarters or so, including uh, having to come out of the game for a little while with a bit of a scare after just being mangled up, but came back in. I have to protect the big ginge here. Okay, go for it. Um, when you lose your two wide receiver one and wide receiver two yes. in the first opening snaps of the game, they didn't have a vertical for like the whole of the first quarter. No. And it was literally like Nelson Aguilar was sitting on the bench playing on his phone. <laughs> and he didn't expect to play and they had to warm him up oh, shit, I got teach him the routes then put him out because they didn't start lobbing the ball up to their normal vertical routes until the second half mm. so yeah losing Alshon Jeffrey, losing Deshaun Jackson it just really put them back there was no one getting open and Wentz was taking hits Yeah, and when you take hits sometimes you have to go into the concussion protocol <laughs> and yeah he just looked a bit tough but Josh McCown's a good boy. He came in. I think they would have kept it, even with Josh McCown in, it was going to be a close game. I just think both teams kind of wanted to give the ball away a lot in this one. Well, in the first half in particular, Wentz was 6 for 16 for 47 yards and two picks. That's that's not good. It's not good at all. Um, And you you spoke of Aguilar. Um, He could have still won them the game at some point here. Uh, obviously, oh, yeah. they didn't have anyone else there. Yeah, it just ends route. He would have been away. He'd have got right down the sideline. Yep, yeah, streaking down the sideline. Ball just goes right through his hands. It was pretty much picture perfect. But you know that them's the breaks. You can't win them all. But um, Aguilar will be properly kicking himself for that one if he's not being kicked by his teammates already. And this is his opportunity. You know, like he has to make those plays. You know, there's teams out there that will be looking for wide receivers and mm. you know a winning a game winning reception away from home in the yeah. you know, the Georgia Stadium. You gotta you gotta take these chances and he didn't and he left um Wentz out to dry a bit there and he did come up and he got the big play to get them into field goal range at the end but Yeah. But and just they didn't enough. need a field goal, they needed a touchdown so mm-hmm. yeah they they came real close. Um speaking of that final drive, uh the Eagles really came within a, a within a ball here of keeping that drive alive as Carson Wentz threw the ball out to Zach Ertz before he was stuffed, maybe just half a yard short, if that, by a by a Falcons defender, followed by another one swarming just to make sure of the job and then turning it over on downs. That is a, was a very, very important play and it could turn out to be one of the most important plays in the Falcons season if we look back on it later on. Yeah, and I've got a feeling it could be very, very important. And and I, I wonder as well about the play calling there. Like, Ertz had 16 targets in this game compared to, you know, Ursega Whiteside had four, you know. <laughs> Hollins had eight. It was very balanced. So I think all the Falcons probably knew that Ertz was the safety blanket on that play and... Yeah, and just like they had to account from there. Just don't let him get any further up than yeah, this. Let particular... him get the ball here, but we're gonna stop him from making a yard. Man, it was close though. 
Uh, they, they had no running game which to speak of again which doesn't really bode well for, for them um, but yeah on the other side of things the, the Falcons they did what they needed to do Matt Ryan really maligned game again uh, three touchdowns but also three picks um, I think <sighs> the Eagles defence are really good I, they, they are up front Fletcher Cox you know he was rampant he was they were throwing like surprise plays at Ryan, there was one where it looked like Fletcher Cox was going to come right through and sack him, and suddenly Cox starts running the other way and bats the pass down. He's like, so instead of running forward as a defensive tackle towards the quarterback, he just up and turns and runs into coverage. Completely confuses Matt Ryan, nearly gets, nearly intercepts him. And there was plays where they were getting outside, you know, to Defonte Freeman and. Fletcher Cox and Jenkins were getting to the touchline and making the tackle for loss. You know, they were just, they were all over it when they needed to be. Um, But it's a great sign for the Falcons that Julio Jones is getting touchdowns in the red zone. Um, (laughs) Something I always struggled with. It's not always great when the field becomes smaller. Things get a bit faster for him. He's always, his hands haven't quite been there, but he got it today. He looks like he's playing with freedom. You know, and it's probably if they make the playoffs, if they can really take advantage of the Saints being, you know, getting a f- if they can get wins ahead of them before they play the Saints, yeah. Um, paying Julio Jones is probably going to be the best thing they did. Oh, Julio Jones is just the weapon that they have for them. He's yeah, and the he's not, consistent he's got nothing threat. on his mind now except playing the next four years. Yeah, he's and getting sixty-six million guaranteed, pretty much, to play for the next four or so years. He's he's in, you know. Where else is he going to be? You just got to lock him down. Got to keep throwing him the ball. Yeah, and you, you had him to thank for for them coming from behind and winning this game uh, with the short pass to the left hand side, Julio Jones sitting in this bubble, and then out of nowhere, Jake Matthews, the left tackle, just comes and absolutely pancakes this uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles defender and just leaves this wide open hole for Julio to sprint it 54 yards to the house for a touchdown. So they they asked Matt Ryan about this after the game on SportsCenter, and this was his play. This mm-hmm. wasn't the cold play. It was a play that him and the offensive coordinator had drawn up in practice, and it wasn't even for playing. It was for playing the Vikings. Yeah. Um, and Barnes and, and Smith, or Barr and Smith, sorry. Mm-hmm. They He saw that they were going to blitz... He moved the tackle out, got Jones to motion, got it to Jones, and then suddenly the tackle's already five yards away from the line. He's he's springing him free. It was an absolutely brilliant audible because when you see it, like the whole other side of the team didn't need to move. You know, he just it's just like a, where he goes. It's a blitz read. He's just read against the blitz, and two players have beat the whole team. With just a, it was very pretty. If you if you watch it, it is probably it's one of the best looking like drawn up plays, and the, the execution. I mean, people have been shitting all over the Falcons' offensive line for a little while, but Jake Matthews is not really one of the bad points on that line, and he really helped make that play there. Um, congratulations to uh, <laughs> Caleb McGarry for still being alive. He yeah. looked like he broke his ankle and his knee. Looked like he was out the game. He was looked like he was crying when he was going off, and then suddenly second half starts and he's 
Right back out there at left tackle. Ah, the power of drugs to get you back into a game is amazing. The power of being a country boy from Oregon. Ah, yeah. Um, Also, yeah, just a a side note on that. Julio Jones, with that uh, reception that he took to the house, uh, surpassed Roddy White for the most receiving yards in franchise history. So, yeah, good one, Julio. Uh, He also absolutely owns the Eagles, as he has had... 100, 100 plus receiving yards for the sixth consecutive game against the Eagles, which is the longest streak versus one opponent in the Super Bowl era. I apologize. I had to check that. I know I was wrong. Caleb McGarry's from Washington, not from Oregon. Okay. There's a bit of a rivalry there. Well, like well it's, is... good, it's good that you at least went and checked yeah. that because you can't leave these things uh, unsaid. So yeah, it's honesty. He also went to. Um, We're all about integrity here at Fourth He's and from Fife. Oh, Fife. So Fife. Fife. He's a Fifer. He's a Fifer from Washington. <laughs> Yeah, so um, he's five, five, four, four, it's four. good he's still there, especially with Lindstrom being out. If they can get a bit more creativity, get Julio Jones more involved, they're going to win games. Yeah. And they're going to be there or thereabouts. Especially yeah. in that division now with Drew Brees not being in there for the next six weeks or so. Obviously, they're not going to have to deal with him, but other people are. Sorry, deal with that, but other people are. Um, so, uh, yeah, who knows? That, that is a division which... How the dynamic has changed very dramatically in the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, the. I'm not sure if I fancy the focus of the Super Bowl at this point, but there's plenty of time to put it together. That doesn't hurt them. Winning this game doesn't hurt them, Super Bowl chances. Um, I would say on the Eagles side, yeah, it's against an, an NFC rival. Yes, you've played them in the last couple you know, times, you've made it quite far in the playoffs. You. You need to be playing the Falcons at home. It's a different game when you play them away. So they're going to be upset that they didn't win this game, especially for the head-to-head if there's a tiebreaker. Yeah, came close. But they came close. They were missing wide receiver one and two. Wentz might have nearly had a concussion, nearly tore his, <laughs> tore his ligaments in his knee celebrating. <laughs> Anyone watches that, it's not great. He should not do anything like that anymore. Mm. By the way, go, go watch... Carson Wentz's uh, miraculous escape uh, where he then throws the ball whilst he's coming down just before his knee hits the ground and he gets out to uh, Holland. It's stunning how he is so good at just getting out of those jams. Yeah, because they kept themselves in it. There's another game where they might have, you know, changed their mind, put McCown in and Mm. just kind of played for it, played it out in the fourth quarter and just been like, okay, it's a... But they came back. Ah, they were, they were, were ahead. Yeah, they they were. But they were um, yeah, but then snatched from the sorry, snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. The the Falcons, and they came out on top in this one. Um, twenty four to twenty. Was I right there? Yep. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. So moving on from then. Um, twenty seven to twenty four. No, no, it was twenty four twenty. It was twenty four twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I was right. <laughs> Never doubt myself. Uh, moving on, we'll get into a few more quote-unquote rapid fires if we can do this. And the San Francisco 49ers, uh, they're 2-0, Darren. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> I mean... Haven't I, played the best of opposition, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Panthers. Yeah. And, and they made the, light work of the Bengals, which, you know... Yeah, who were competitive last week, but not this week. Um, the 49ers just jumped out to an early lead and just kept piling it on, really. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo looked a fair bit better in this game than he did in last week's game, uh, pulling out three scores and a pick. 
uh, for 297 yards. Uh, the running game looked really good as well. Matt Breda was shredding it. Raheem Mostert was shredding it and also com- contributing in the, the pass game as well. And um, they seem to have found their goal line guy in Jeff Wilson, who was on the practice squad just about two days before. So he picked up two scores. So expect me to be picking him up in my fantasy league. Um, yeah, they, they just they seem like a better team this week. But I mean, we're just unsure about exactly what it is that the Bengals are. Um, they are. I don't know what they are. They're, they're not. They're not going to be competitive. The 49ers are hopefully a feel-good story. It'll be interesting to be Um But the Bengals are... They're not great. And we don't know what they're going to be. At least they're putting points on the board. Um, but it's all about the 49ers. You know? Debo Samuel getting a few touchdowns. Jeff Wilson getting in the end zone. Yeah, good You've got Ro- Robbie Gold, you know. Putting up a high percentage of his field goals. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're giving every single positive to the 49ers, just being like, "Hey, yeah, good, good for a you." Well, they didn't throw the game away. They did not. They they went ahead and then they stayed ahead, and they did what they needed to do to win. They got a couple of turnovers. This is true. They won 41-17. That's all I can really say about them. What else could you I'm say? We're waiting until they play the Seahawks until we know what they really are. <laughs> but they have a good defense, and mm-hmm. Jimmy G can be good if he's fit and healthy and he's feeling it. Yeah. Um, I mean, like the, the the Cincinnati pass rush is nothing to, to sniff at. Like They've still got like, a Carlos Dunlap in there and uh, Gino Atkins. Um, so it's not as if Garoppolo wasn't under pressure. Um, so, yeah, they did... They did they did good here, forty-one uh, seventeen. Um, on the Bengals side of things, uh, positives are that John John Ross now has more yards in two games this season than he did in uh, the entire thirteen games that he played in last season. Makes sense if they're playing a you know a McVeigh style system mm. and they're actually having plays drawn by an offensive guy and not a defensive guy who can't win a playoff game. Yeah. Um, between Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson, I think the state of Ohio has <laughs> gone through some real it's shit. It's been really bad for them. So, <laughs> look, you're putting points on the board. You're spreading the play. You're trying. I, I don't really know what else I can give them. They're just kind of building. Yeah. AJ Green Remember, comes back. It's another weapon. Tyler Eifert got in the end zone. That's good for him. Good for Tyler Eifert. Good to see him back and getting involved. Um uh, you mentioned AJ Green there. Um, since last season, uh, Andy Dalton and the Bengals are zero and five with AJ Green not in the lineup. So they really want him back, even if he is not quite the player he used to be. He is necessary to that team in order for them to do anything. It seems um, Dalton did still put up some numbers, two scores in the pick. Uh, but again, that, that rushing attack is awful at the moment. Yeah, Joe Mixon eleven for seventeen. It's not looking good. No. And Bernard, six for six. That's one. Thinking if your maths is good. Da, da, six one, yards six, and six uh, carries. No, by six. Oh, yeah, it was one. Um, yeah, not really good at all. Yeah, um, it's not very balanced when you've got um, 
you know, Tyler Boyd going for 10 targets, 10 receptions. Tyler Boyd is uh, the, the lone highlight for them at the moment, I would say. 122 yards. Yeah, and I suppose, I suppose you could also give some credit to John Ross, but Tyler Boyd doing a pretty good job uh, on the San Francisco side of things. Uh, maybe putting it together with this one, but hard to tell because it was the Bengals. Uh, keep an eye on the running game, and I think they look pretty good.